Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. On September 12, 2011, Brandon Wright, a 21-year-old Utah State University student, was driving his motorcycle en route to the school's computer lab when a BMW pulling out of a parking lot collided with him. Both vehicles burst into flames. The BMW driver quickly escaped from the car, but Wright Wright was trapped under the 4,000-pound sedan. The horrific accident drew an immediate crowd. One passerby walked around the burning vehicles to survey the situation and saw a motionless body beneath the BMW. Another individual testing his strength attempted to lift the car, but without success. A handful of others joined the effort, but could not budge the car. A young woman lay on the ground to peer under the car and saw evidence that the trapped victim was still alive. The flames were intense at the front of the car, where the motorcycle also lay on the ground, burning. Nevertheless, at this point, a dozen members of the growing crowd joined shoulder to shoulder at the side of the car, lifted in unison and tilted it high enough to allow another rescuer to pull right out to safety. At that point, the city's emergency responders appeared on the scene. They doused the flames and transported right to Intermountain Medical Center, where he was treated for two broken legs and a fractured pelvis. Every one of those people put their lives in danger, Assistant Logan Police Chief Jeff Curtis said. You can only speculate what the outcome would have been if they hadn't worked together and lifted that car. We know what the outcome will be if people do not trust Christ as their Savior before they die. We find that outcome in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. If they do not believe, people will experience the second death in the lake of fire forever and ever. God wants us to live with a constant realization that others around us are in grave danger and need to be rescued. They need Christ, who is the only way to safety. And like those who work together to save Brandon Wright, we, the church, are God's ambassadors to this world, and God wants us to work together to reach people for Christ with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, as Philippians 1.27 says. The passage before us in Revelation 20 is a heartbreaking one. It's the scene after it's too late, as all those who stand at the great white throne judgment are doomed to everlasting torments in the lake of fire. The solemn facts in these verses are motivation for carrying the gospel to the ends of the world, whatever the cost, and doing everything possible to warn, inform, and challenge people to trust Christ right now before it's too late. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11 says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. The Apostle John here in his vision of future events sees a great white throne. What John describes communicates power, awe, and fear. 
the throne is great because the throne exudes power and it's going to be a huge and intimidating scene. And it is great also because of the great eternal issues involved in it. The greatness of the high and lifted up throne and the greatness of the scene and the greatness of God will strike terror in all who appear there. Hebrews 10.31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And the great white throne will be a fearful thing, incredibly frightening and terrifying. By this scene, by the great scene and the greatness of God and all that's involved in the great white throne, unlike many who think that they will be, no one is going to be flippant before the great white throne. No one's going to tell God what's on their mind. No one's going to gripe, complain, protest, or object. It is a white throne, shining in appearance, which signifies glory, purity, and holiness. White speaks to the unapproachable holiness and purity of the Lord Jesus Christ. So many reject Christ because they believe they are all right, because they believe they're a good person. The mistake people make in doing that is that they compare themselves with other people. But all that is is one unrighteous person comparing themselves with another unrighteous person, both of whom whose righteousness is, as Scripture says, it's like filthy rags. The standard is the righteousness of God, and we all fall short. Being confronted with the perfect holiness of God at that day, standing there in their own righteousness, each unbelieving person at the great white throne will be completely ashamed. The blackness of the impurity of humanity will stand in stark and utter contrast to God's perfect white holiness and purity. And that will leave every single person there absolutely speechless. The only way anyone can stand before God, be accepted of Him, and reside in His presence forever is to be washed in the blood of God's Son, Jesus Christ, and to be pure and holy in Christ. The throne is white and pure and holy, and the judgment handed down from it will be perfect and pure as well. The throne is God's throne, and it's the throne of divine judgment. It speaks of divine sovereignty, the throne does. And that judgment that's handed down from that throne will not be questioned. Him that sat on it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 17.31 says that God hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man who he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. We know that to be Jesus Christ, of course. And Jesus Christ is God. The infallible, all-knowing, sovereign God is the one sitting on this throne. The one who has been sinned against is the judge. The Creator who allowed them every single breath they ever took will judge them. The Savior with marks of love still visible on His body with nail prints in His hands and feet. The one who faced God's divine fury and judgment against sin so that they could be saved will hand down the sentence of hell because they did not believe. From whose face the heaven and the earth fled away speaks to 
the almighty power of Christ, that the earth and the infinitely huge universe flees before his face as its creator. But specifically, John is speaking of, I think, of seeing the contaminated universe going out of existence. Heaven and earth have both been permeated with sin and the curse, and they flee from his face as he purges them and renovates the first and the second heavens and the earth with fire. Peter speaks of that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 to 13, where he says, The elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. The heavens being on fire shall be dissolved. We, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. The earth and heavens will be restored to a new state of purity. Sin will be vanquished out of God's creation. This judgment will likely take place during the time the heavens and the earth are being purged of sin and renovated by fire. Because you see, the very next thing that John sees after this judgment is Revelation 21.1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. With the current earth and heaven having fled away and burned up, all these lost people at the great white throne will realize that everything they ever lived for on earth is gone forever. Everything they put before God is burned up. All their possessions, all their pleasures, popularity, prestige, It'll no longer remain and it has passed away forever. And these people will truly realize the Lord's words when he said, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The loss of one's soul to hell is the greatest loss of all. Gaining the whole world, which is uh, subject to be burned up one day, means absolutely nothing. But there's a principle here even for us, for believers, that we should be careful to not live as if this world is all that mattered. This world and everything in it is temporal and will be burned up. And God wants us to live for the eternal. He wants us to live for Him. Heaven and earth having fled away, the last part of verse 11 says there was found no place for them. Or literally, there was no place left for them to run or hide. It's just them and God. They all must face the judge, and they must face him alone. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Revelation, Volume 3, is a hardcover 228-page commentary written by Pastor Paul M. Sadler and covers Revelation 14.1 through 19.21. In this third volume, we transition from Revelation chapter 13 to chapter 14, where the scene shifts dramatically from the Antichrist, who claims to be the Messiah, to the Lamb of God, who is the true Christ. Before we can effectively warn men of things to come, 
we ourselves must first be equipped with a better understanding of God's word rightly divided and have a greater burden to share the gospel with the unbelieving. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12 says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. This judgment is a judgment of those called the dead. I saw the dead, John says. After the battle of Gog and Magog, all unbelievers will be dead. And in Hades, in the center of the earth at this point, the dead here are the unbelieving dead of all the ages of all history. All the unsaved, all the spiritually dead are the subjects of this judgment. This judgment is not to determine whether those who stand before Christ are saved or not. The question of who is saved is not determined at the great white throne before Christ. It's determined in life here on the earth. Personal unbelief or personal trust in God's salvation and life here on this earth, determines your your eternal destiny. If one stands at the great white throne, they are going to hell. They are not going to heaven. The unrighteous dead will stand before God in a judicial sense as guilty, condemned, doomed sinners before the bar of divine justice. Now, man by nature likes do-overs, likes second chances. Golfers get mulligans. I'd take a few of those, maybe more than a few when I golf. Uh, Batters get three strikes. But this life is not a test. It's not a practice drill. We get one shot. There are no second chances once a person dies. Salvation is available to you right now. When you die, it is no longer available. After you die, your choice has been made and your destiny is sealed for eternity. The time to trust Christ as your Savior is right now. Maurice Rawlings rightly says, There is life after death, and if I don't know where I'm going, it's not safe to die. It is not safe to die without trusting Christ. But when you have trusted that Christ died for your sins and rose again, You are absolutely safe in Christ. John says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The small and great will stand before Christ at the great white throne. There will be no favoritism at this judgment. No one will be able to claim an upper hand standing before this throne. It will not matter who you are. It will not matter what you did. Down and outers, uneducated, homeless, common man, 
the little known, the poor, and the rich, the well-known, the leaders of this world, CEOs, brilliant minds, professors, doctors, engineers, scientists, all unbelieving humanity will be judged here. And they are just known as the dead, small and great. Before the great white throne will be any and all who do not believe. And our hearts should break because God's heart breaks. God never made hell for people. Hell was created for the devil and his angels, the Bible says. The people who end up in the lake of fire will be those who reject God's gracious way of escape and his salvation. A West Virginia state trooper stopped a woman for going 15 miles over the speed limit. After he handed her a ticket, she asked him, Don't you give out warnings? And he replied, Yes, ma'am. They're all up and down the road. They say, speed limit, 55. We need to be God's warning signs, to be giving out warnings to those around us in life. If people do not accept Christ as their personal Savior, when they die, they die in their sins, and they will face God's judgment and be cast into the lake of fire forever. Verse 12 says, And the books were opened. Christ will judge these unsaved people on the basis of what is written in the books. And our natural question should be, what books? First, we know the books of the Bible will be there. Christ says in John 12, 48, The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 2, 16, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Every unbeliever will be held accountable for the truth he or she has heard in their life. The Bible is the righteous standard by which all the lost will one day be judged. From it, they will see how holy God is, how Far they fall short of him. How God must punish sin according to his righteousness and justice. By Paul's gospel, they'll be shown how perfect a plan God had for them and provided a way of escape from the penalty of their sins through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. But because they rejected God's salvation, they must face eternal punishment for their sins. I believe they are also judged from the books of their life because it talks about how they are judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So I think this uh, these books also include the record of every unsaved person's entire life, a record of their works, of their sins, of every word, thought, and deed. On the day of judgment, nothing is going to remain hidden. Hebrews 4.13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Luke 12.2 also says, For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Nothing is hidden before God. He knows all. Every lie told, every evil thought, every sinful act, 
every wicked word spoken, every other wrong ever done is recorded, I think, in books. God knows what all are doing. His books will reveal the truth. There will be no excuses. There will be no alibis. There will be no adequate defense because the things that they have done will betray them and it will be overwhelming evidence against them. Sin brings shame and they will be ashamed. They will be embarrassed at this judgment. Books that record every thought, word, and deed of sinful men are all recorded in heaven by divine omniscience will provide the evidence for eternal condemnation. Christ considers the works of the people before the great white throne to show their unbelief, to show their wickedness, to show their guilt, to show their just judgment. Their works will demonstrate the absence of life, their utter sinfulness and depravity, and that they deserve the lake of fire. The books will also determine the degree of punishment that they will endure in the lake of fire forever. In Mark 12, 38-40, the religious scribes are described by the Lord and how they put on a fake religious show for all to see and how they devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. And he says, these shall receive greater damnation. There are degrees of punishment in the lake of fire and each unbeliever will receive what is due them based on their sins. Christ is a righteous judge, and he will assign each unbeliever the place that they deserve in the lake of fire forever. John says he saw another book opened, which is the book of life. The book of life is a register of all people who will ever live. Be a Berean about the book of life. Study this out. It's an interesting and somewhat difficult study. I believe the book of life is a record of those who possess natural life. And when the natural man dies in his sins, their name is removed from the book. During the tribulation period, living people will have their names blotted out of it, as any who take the mark of the beast in that day will have their names blotted out instantly. But those who receive God's salvation in their lifetime, those who receive his eternal life will have their names sealed there on the basis of the finished work of Christ. And the child of God will never, ever have his name blotted out of the book of life. At this point of the great white throne, all the unsaved will have died and will be dead. And only the names of believers will be left in the book of life. I think the book of life will be opened and shown to the unbeliever at this judgment that Christ will open the page to find where their name should be. We'll show it to them. We'll show where their name was written and recorded. But all they'll see at that point is a blank space because they do not have life and are not in the book of life. They never were saved. Their name was blotted out. They don't have, the, they don't have eternal life in Christ. They're dead in their sins and thus they'll be cast into the lake of fire forever. Revelation chapter 20, verses 13 to 15 say, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into 
the lake of fire. Verse 13 is speaking of the resurrection of damnation, as John 5.29 puts it. That's going to take place at this time. All the unsaved of all ages will be raised to stand before God's judgment at the great white throne. All the places that have held the bodies of the unbelieving dead will yield them up for their resurrection. Death and hell, and hell here is literally speaking of Hades. Death and Hades both describe the state of death. Uh, Death speaks of the grave, the temporary holding place of unsaved people's bodies. Hades speaks of the temporary holding place of unsaved people's souls in the center of the earth where they currently are and have been held in a conscious state of punishment. Death gives up the bodies, the sea give up her dead, and every grave in the ground will give up her dead. The dust and the elements will come together again. And Hades, the realm of the spirits of the dead and torment in the center of the earth, will give up the spirits. The physical bodies of the unsaved are then joined with their spirits, spirits which have been in Hades, and Hades will be empty for the first time in thousands of years. No unsaved person will escape this judgment. They'll all be raised for this judgment, and they'll all be judged according to their works. The resurrected bodies that God gives to the unsaved at this time will be indestructible, able to exist forever in the torments of the lake of fire. Once the final judgment takes place, both death and Hades are cast into the lake of fire because there will no longer be physical death and there will no longer be a need for Hades because everyone will be in the lake of fire that had resided there. This is the second death, John says here, and that speaks of the lake of fire. The first death is physical death, the separation of the soul and spirit from the body. The second death is spiritual death, eternal death the eternal separation from the life of God in the lake of fire, the final eternal hell. And whosoever is not found in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. The sentence of the second death will be passed on all unbelievers, on every single person that appears at the great white throne. Death gives up the body. Hades gives up the soul. Then both body and soul in one person are cast into the lake of fire, and they are separated from the presence of God forever and ever. The lake of fire is the final destination of the unsaved. The punishment of the unbelieving is eternal. If you've never made the decision to trust Christ as your personal Savior, we plead with you to please do so right now. Just place your faith in the truth that Christ died for your sins personally. He took God's punishment for your sins at the cross of Calvary, and He fully paid for your sins, and He rose again the third day. That's the gospel message, and just trusting that simple gospel truth, God's Word says you have the free gift of salvation and eternal life. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. 
The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.